you know, in my book, I write, I start off basically saying why I'm a Democrat. That's my first chapter. And um, I'm a Democrat because uh, I, I grew up in Minnesota, in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. And uh, my dad didn't graduate high school. He was a printing salesman. I grew up in a, my brother and I, and my parents grew up in a, we grew up in a two-bedroom, one-bath house. I felt like the luckiest kid in the world, because I was. I was growing up middle class, at the height of the middle class, in America, in Minnesota, in St. Louis Park. I thought I could do anything. And I think that people don't feel like that anymore, and for, good, and for very good reason. And I think that's why we lost this election, because there's so many people angry about 40 years of that. My wife, who I met my freshman year of college, she grew up very differently. She, uh, her father, a World War II, decorated World War II vet, died in a car accident when she was 18 months old. She had a three-month-old sister then, um, and three older siblings. And her mom was 29 years old and widowed with five kids. And she had, she had a high school education. And they barely made it. They made it because of Social Security survivor benefits. Sometimes they were hungry. Sometimes they turned the heat off in the winter. This is Portland, Maine. Uh, but they made it. And every one of the girls in the family, the four girls, went to college. And they went to college on combinations of scholarships and Pell Grants. And at that time, a Pell, full Pell Grant paid 80% of a public college education. Today it pays about 35%. And I know kids, one of the big issues in my first campaign was uh, the affordability of college, and it still continues. And we, we fight, I mean, we fight on that, but we're not in the majority. And, um, and that's a lot to do with the states, how much the states kick in on public education. Uh, they made it when, when my, when the, the baby, when Bootsy uh, went to high school, my mother-in-law got a GI loan, $300 to go to college. And she got three more loans, graduated from college, became a school teacher, grade school teacher, and because she taught Title I kids, poor kids, she um, uh, had all her loans forgiven. My brother-in-law went in the Coast Guard. Every member of that family became a contributing member of our, of our society, middle class. That's why I'm a Democrat. You know, they tell you in this country you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. First, you have to have the boots. And, and the government gave my wife's family the boots. Welcome to the Angry Dave Podcast with your host, Angry Dave. I can tell the difference of the audio. The mic was turned. Oh, gotcha. Is mine still Yours good? is fine. Okay. okay. Sorry. Okay, so it's go ahead. Me. When you see what ads, what were you saying? Um, the Facebook ads. <coughs> I, I don't have a cough button yet. <laughs> Seriously, I'm getting a cough button. I mean, hopefully I'll get rid really? of the cough. But, well, <coughs> it's like a little it's like a little mute button. Oh, nice. It's a thing. Yeah, I didn't, you know. You know these things. I don't know these things. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a thing. All right. <laughs> so anyway, we have in the studio today Danielle Davies, the Democratic candidate for Cape May County Freeholder. Hello. Thanks for having me, Dave. So let's start with, I, I wanted a little background on you. Like I've, I've known you for, I think, close to 90 days. No, <laughs> you're counting. <laughs> well, I think when we first met, I was like, oh, so, you know, like, oh, I'd like to help you. I thought you were running for like 2018. Yes. And yes, I was like, I'm, yeah. oh, like, uh, like, I'll help you with like, you know, logos. It's just like, well, <laughs> the election's in 90 days. I was like, oh. Right. Yep. <laughs> Although it would have been really helpful to meet you a year out. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know anything about I wasn't paying attention. Anyway, so give me a little background. Like, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Upper Township. My parents moved there when I was two. They both came from Philadelphia and they used to summer down here for, you know, they, and they were looking for a house. They had lived in Philadelphia. They bought, they owned a house there. And I recently asked them what made them pick Upper Township, what made them pick the Jersey Shore, besides the fact that it was like a summer vacation. And uh, a lot of their friends were moving to Bucks County area, I guess, at the time. And their cousin, one of my cousins, had just bought a house in Oak Forest, which is like a long-time neighborhood in Upper Township. And she was like, there's these great properties. They've got yards. You know, we're close to the beach. And that was it. My parents came down one day. They came with another cousin, and both cousins uh, put an offer in that day. So I grew up in Upper Township and went to, you know, went to school through Upper Township, went to Ocean City High School. And uh, yeah, so this is where I'm from. What did your parents do? My dad worked, um, he did, he's like a flooring guy. So he, well, he's retired about five years ago, but he worked for Baumgartner Flooring Company and they do like commercial flooring. So ironically, he actually did uh, flooring for Donald Trump. <laughs> he actually met him a couple of times. So, but my dad worked in flooring his whole life and, or like construction related fields. And my mom was the secretary at the Stone Harbor School. Cool. So, <coughs> Pardon? I'm going to try to take out all my coughs. As some of you know, I've had pneumonia. <coughs> but if I can't, you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, tell me about your like your work history. So you went to school, you went to high school. Did you go to college? What was your what what happened after you? Okay, so I Went, I went to Ocean City High School, and like many teenagers, I couldn't wait to grow up and leave Cape May County because, uh, you know, as you know, we can't drive till we're 17 here, and all the neighboring states were driving at 16 and coming down for their, they would have senior week, you know, while we're running the boardwalk um, for gym class, and and that's when I started to realize people in other states maybe had some advantages <laughs> we didn't. And that was just in terms of their transportation or their vacation spots. You know, I'd say to my dad, how come my friends and I can't get a house in Ocean City for the week? And he was like, why would you? You know, you're going to work so you can pay for books in college and stuff like that. So anyway, I went to Villanova University. And then when I graduated there, I came back for a few months and I met my husband. And then we moved to California and I worked for several years in publishing, uh, and then, but I missed my family, so we came back east, and I lived in Philadelphia for four years. I was a teacher for part of that time, and then I had my first son, and right about then is when I was like, we need to move Your home. first son? I had my first and only son, but I have two children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had my only son there in Philadelphia, and as soon as I had him, basically within three months, we sold our house and moved back home. 
All right. Yeah. Why do you want to? You, you want to come back because you just missed the being home. And your well, family. I missed my family. Plus, also we were living in a part of Philadelphia, so we had bought a house in Northern Liberties, which is a great, mm-hmm. really fun place before you have kids. And maybe it's even fun now when you have kids. I don't know because I only lived there until my son was three months old. But what was happening when we lived there is on both sides of us, there was construction and it was just being built up everywhere. You couldn't push a stroller. You couldn't do anything like this. And uh, I didn't feel like that was a great way for a kid to grow up. And um, I had a great childhood here. I mean, we played in the, it was very, it was still very rural upper township. So we, you know, played in the woods. Most of my girlfriends from growing up are either in the area still or have, you know, still come back all the times and I'm still very close with them. So there was definitely that pull. My family was here. I mean, it was a great place to grow up. And I thought, why not? I'll bring my kids here too. It doesn't hurt to have my mom around the block. So <laughs> it's a bonus. Good old mom. Yes. She's been awesome. So you're running for political office, which is... <laughs> Indeed. Interesting. So what made you want to run? <laughs> well, so... What was the initial... Okay. Well, there's a there. So it was really more what made me want to get involved. So I wanted to get involved um, because I really feel, based on the last election, and really, you know, over the course of time, people, you know, we all have a lot of complaints. People are very active on Facebook. You know, we all have complaints about any issues of our lives. But this is one where I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was. I was complaining, but I wasn't necessarily doing something about it. And I don't like that feeling. I feel a little bit like a hypocrite. So, so I wanted to get involved. So I started getting involved, um, after the November, 2016 election with, um, just starting a, helping to start an upper township democratic club. I, I formed different groups. I've been really active and, and what happened, and I was really actually quite happy just doing that. Um, but I didn't like the fact that, uh, the incumbents in every party and in, in every race, particularly Upper Township where I live and then also in Cape May County, were going unopposed. Um, because I really think that that's harmful to everybody. I think we need to have like a dialogue when it comes to politics and our, and you know, this is our community. So I kept advocating for somebody to run. I kept saying, somebody needs to step up, somebody needs to step up. And then finally, <laughs> somebody turned around and asked me to step up. And I was like, who? Uh, Jeff Sutherland. Well, I got a text message from, from a, a a gentleman, Richard Fellows, asking me if I would be interested in talking to Jeff Sutherland, if I would be interested in running for Cape May County Freeholder. So I went in and talked to Jeff, and the rest is history. <laughs> Recent history, but here we are. That's pretty cool. So one of the other questions I had for you, and I know we talked about this a little bit, and in large part because we talked about Al Franken, and I've posted about this, and we've talked about this, but why are you a Democrat? And why I ask that is like, you know, I think there, it's an important question right now about parties. Uh, it's important to me. And I'm curious, you know, like why it's important to you. Well, first I want to say I think involvement is more important than parties because I think that we need to as a country, we've kind of grown apart from the idea, like politics seems to be something very separate and it shouldn't be. I believe that politics is for the people, by the people. And for a long time, you know, the idea is that you trust your representative. So you don't, you don't have to do this, that you trust them, but you can't trust them from afar. You have to get involved. Um, 
And so I think that that's more important than party. However, I grew up, um, and I'm a working class family. You know, I've grown up, my dad's the second oldest of eight Irish Catholic kids. And, you know, we learned the value. He learned the value of hard work early on and passed it forward. I mean, we didn't, that's what you did. You don't, my dad from a very young age told me, you know, if you get a job at a gas station, you pump gas as hard as you can. You don't, there's no place, there's no time for not doing your best. That's what you do no matter where you are, no matter what you do. And I think that that work ethic is something um, that always appealed to me. And, and, because I come from a working class family, I felt that the Democratic Party really represented us. And that's why I have stayed a Democrat. However, I, it's interesting because I also found that I was always from a Democratic family. My grandpa used to run repeatedly for mayor in Sharon Hill, Pennsylvania. He never won, but he did run oftentimes. And my dad, when I first started getting involved, we were having this conversation about whether or not I should run. And I said, oh, well, Grandpa Brian, you know, always, uh, oh, I, let me back up. My dad said uh, that it would be an uphill battle to run as a Democrat. And he's like, this is what your grandpa spent his life doing. And I was like, right, like fighting as a Democrat. He was like, no, fighting. And I was like, what do you mean? So apparently when they lived in Philadelphia and the Democrats were completely in power in Philadelphia, my grandpa didn't like that either. He, he didn't ever think it should be a one-party system. So he ran as a Republican. He also didn't win. Uh, but then they moved to Sharon Hill, and the Republicans were in charge. So he ran as a Democrat. Um, so interesting to note, my one uncle, his one son, is a councilman in Chichester, Pennsylvania. And he just quoted my grandpa the other day on his video and said that his dad always said, you know, you run as a Democrat, and you run, you might run in a party, but you're there once you win, you're there to represent everybody. So I think that's also important. I do too. Uh, I think that's lost on too many people is this the idea. If you look at what's happening in <coughs> Congress today, that, <sighs> you know, you can, yes, you're going to run because you have an ideological concept, presumably that you're going to run for one party or another. We're a two-party system. We just are. And uh, But once you get into power, once, you, once you're elected, you're supposed to represent everybody. But I think we've got this current idea that, like, you're just representing the people that voted you in and right. not the other people. Right. And that seems wrong. That seems very un-American to me. Yeah, I think you're there... I- and you know what's been interesting is I've met you know my opponents now a couple of times and I genuinely like them. They've been really friendly. They've been they've you know I think that we can all be very proud that it's been a positive campaign. There's been no mudslinging on on both sides. And uh, I find the most I, I you have to be like that. I think you have to be like that because you have to all work together. If you if you want to actually make progress for our county or our world. You have to be willing to work together and look besides that, you know, look outside that divisiveness. Don't, you know, you're always going to find differences, but what do you have in common? Right, right. So let me just switch to this. So what do you think are some of the biggest issues facing Cape May County today? I mean, like, like there's, there's big countrywide differences. I understand that. But like, what are we dealing with in the county? Well, the reason I got involved, besides being asked, uh, was because I thought that I might be able to do something about the opioid epidemic here. Um, that I have uh, somebody close to me that that was involved in that, and uh, 
is fortunately in recovery. And it strikes me that that, you know, opioid addiction crosses all boundaries. Doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, doesn't matter what color you are, what what faith you are, it's every demographic. So I wanted to see what I could do about that. But since I've been involved, I've also been um, shocked to find out that Cape May County, so, you know, I, I came here because I thought it was a good place to raise my kids. And Cape May County is actually ranked 21st out of 21 counties for kids' safety and well-being. And a lot of that has to do with the economic status of, of their parents because you're putting your kids, they're, they're, they're growing up in stressful environments. Um, so that's a, another huge issue. It's a big one. And uh, I think as many people that know me know, it's been a personal issue as well. Not, not me personally, but for my family. Right. Um, and having to deal with that. And it's, I agree, it's, it crosses all boundaries. And the problem that I have is that too many people on the, I don't want to just give Republicans shit, but too many people <laughs> on the right feel like it's, uh, it's all about somebody's uh, shortcomings. It's like, oh, well, they're just not strong enough or they're just not, you know, they're, they were weak or they were lazy or they were in, in, in not looking at the fact that the opioid epidemic has crossed all boundaries, as you said, that it's rich, it's poor, it's white, it's black, it's Mexican, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Right. It hits everybody. And it, when you're, when it hasn't hit you, it's easy to look at and go like, oh, well, that wouldn't happen to me. When it does hit you, you realize that's not true. And I think it also has to do with, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a, I mean, generally speaking, there might be party issues, but I think that it has to do also with your, where you are in in the process of addiction. So if your family member is in the process of it now and maybe they're lying to you and stealing and they're doing things that you can't stand and they're not the same person, it's easy to get frustrated and it's easy to be angry. And then once they start, if you get lucky enough, like we did, that they're in the process of recovery, it's you kind of can move past that and see, okay, here's what happened. And you can kind of start to look at it a different way. I think it's it's really hard when you're in the mix to... Right, to right. separate yourself like that. Well, let me ask you this. So what can we do? Well, I think we need to work on uh, prevention, first of all. Like, you know, there's a lot of work towards prosecution, uh, but that you can't arrest yourself out of this. And that's been said by so many people. I just am quoting that. But um, we got to really start from the bottom. You have to work with prevention. We have to work at a very young age getting in and talking to kids about it. and But not just talking to them about it, giving them opportunities, giving them opportunities that aren't that. You know, you, you can't just tell a kid not to do this and then not give them any other things to do. Just say no is not <laughs> an effective strategy. No, no because strategy. if that's your only thing you're doing, it's going to wear out really soon. So I think we need to... <coughs> Sorry. That's Okay. One of the things that I was talking to some different groups about is, you know, if you there is a um, there are things called like a Dayton Croc facility or a YMCA. If you brought like, if we brought some opportunities to our kids and families where they can go for classes for activities, if they could get involved, community building really I think can be part of the prevention package, but also then providing economic opportunities and educational opportunities to our residents because the, you know, the stronger the community you have, the less likely people are going to resort to that. You're not going to, you're not going to solve the whole thing. I mean, 
it's a national epidemic. But I think that these are things that we could do right here in our county to make a difference. Good. So let me ask you this. What's been, and we've, (coughs) (coughs) what? Nothing. I can cut this out. What? I'm totally shaking. I don't know if it's because I'm cold or I'm tired. Do you want to, there's a blanket right next to you. You hear? No. Because I'm going like this, so you don't hear. <laughs> okay. Blood sugar. Better? It will Do you be. want something Come else? No, no, no. I'm going to wrap this around me. So. No, I mean, do you want, like, are you... No. This, it'll be better. Okay. All right. <laughs> now we're all cozy. Now I'm cozy. All right. And we're starting again. Um, what's been... The most challenging part of running for office. Oh, running for office. No, <laughs> the mo- I, you know what? I think it changes day to day because it's a new process for me. So, so the learning has been has been challenging, and but also fun. It's been challenging, but it's been a it's been a good challenge. Um, I would say, you know. Just learning to work as like a whole so we can kind of present the work as a county to move forward. I think that's been a big challenge. And and but like I said, a good one. I think these are things that that come with the territory. But all of the things that we've been challenged with for the most part, I mean, of course there are always gonna be some some people who are fairly disgruntled, but um and that's its own kind of separate challenge, but we haven't faced too much of that. The challenges have really been exciting. I mean it's learning about different groups, um, getting out there and meeting as many people as you can, and, and really finding out as much as you can about the county. And it's been a challenge because it's time-consuming and it's nonstop, but it's also been really worth it. It's been probably the best part of the whole thing, meeting so many people who are involved in so many ways in the county. And 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 one of the things that I think comes from it is you're meeting all these great people, but and connecting them, and and knowing that you know it is an uphill battle, and and while we're giving it the best fight that we can, if if it doesn't pan out the way that we want it to, how we're going to continue that, how you're going to continue to make those connections and connect all the right people so that there's still growth. I mean, whether we win or we don't, we still want the best for our county, and we still want to be able to to advocate on behalf of the people here. Well, you're going out of order on my list here, but Sorry. now that you've now that you've actually uh, brought that up, what is the answer to <clears throat> to like what happens after? Um, if you win, yeah, there's a lot of work to do. If you lose, what's 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 after? Where do you go from here? You know what that is. A really good question, and somebody else asked me that. And I think, uh, well, I, honestly, I think I'll need like a couple of days to 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 take to figure out couple, what direction, a couple of days, what direction to go in exactly, because there are so many good programs, and some of them are so exciting. And and then, what's your place? You know, if you if we you know if we win, like you said, there we go. That's that's what the plan is. You win, and you you go for it as a freeholder. But if you don't win. In what way can I advocate as a resident of the county? Because, you know, obviously if you're a freeholder, you have a platform. Um, but if you don't, how can you advocate as a resident? And then what, what, 
aspect is going to take precedence because there are so many, there's so much room for growth here in Cape May County. There's so much room for improvement that it's actually pretty exciting. As, as worrisome as it is to be 21st out of 21 counties, you know there's only one way to go. You know, you can only go up. So so that's exciting. It, it'd be, the hardest thing I think would be to parse out what's going to be my top priority. Gotcha. So let me ask you this. Um, what surprised you the most in uh, running for office? Like, I mean, that's not a, you know, you're not a career politician or something. It wasn't like in your, uh, in your sights, I think. And no. you were kind of asked to do it. Uh, you were motivated maybe, but you were asked to do it. What, what's, what surprised you the most? Curious. I guess how awesome all the people have been. We've had tremendous support from just people all over the place and how supportive they've been. And they're, you know, they're coming out and they're knocking on doors and they're making phone calls and they're, they're sharing Facebook posts and they're making us dinner and they're, you know, offering to watch your kids and, and just the sense of community, you know, it might be, we might be spread out and we might have our problems here in Cape May County, but we've got really good people. And I guess that I was surprised to see how many people were supporting our campaign and how much it means to them too. So like on days where you get tired and that certainly has happened over the past eight months, um, it's really helpful to know like people are behind you and they're supporting you and that makes you keep fighting for them. And, and that itself is worth everything. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it, it's been a complete honor to be kind of asked to be the representative voice for people who feel that they haven't been heard. That's probably the, the most that I've gotten out of it personally that, that people have trusted me with their voice and you, you don't want to let them down with that. Right. Right. So, uh, my last question, then we can get on to some other stuff, but it's like, I know you get excited about, uh, we've had some <laughs> discussions and you're, you're funny cause you get like, you'll be talking to me and you get like really excited about things, <laughs> which is hysterical to me. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. It's kind of like, wow, she's like really into this. It's like what excites you? Well, we talked about this earlier in the week, but I get excited about, you know, before this, I'm a writer and I, and I've been an artist and, you know, you get excited about using something in a new way or finding out this little bit of information that you can build on. Uh, and so that's really translated into this as well. So last week I went to visit the, um, aquaculture station that we've got here, which we have right here in Cape May County. Here I go. And, uh, and some of the stuff they're doing besides, I don't know if you know, they're, they're, they're cultivating oysters. They're basically, and they, they have oyster seed. And they, the reason that it's so cool is because, A, they're going to repop, you know, they can help to repopulate our, our bays because, so when oysters have died from disease and different things, oysters actually help filter the water. And then they keep other things alive. Things are not living so much in our water, in our ecosystem because um, the sunlight's not filtering its way down. And forgive me if I'm not making perfect sense. This is something I just learned. Um, but oysters basically help filter out that 
that water. So besides the fact that they're cult- they're they're going to repopulate the bay with the oysters, they can also sell them to different companies and people can start their own oyster bed. So you can do that if you want to be an entrepreneur or a small business owner. I mean, we've got Cape May Salts, which is owned by a fishery and they're huge, but you there's nothing stopping, you know, you from going out and working with um this Rutgers lab, and they'll show you how to do it. They'll actually teach you this, and then you can go and and be an oyster farmer. Um, they've also got algae, which is which is the thing that I was most excited about last week. They told me that they've got this setup. It basically is three thousand dollars for your entire overhead. God bless you, and. Um, which you know is not a tremendously significant amount of money for an entire business investment, um, and you can. They're trying to find ways to f- develop algae and then use it for pharmaceuticals or use it for different biofuel systems, and you can basically be cultivating and selling algae from your own house. This can be your business. And while it's helpful that we're in a peninsula here and that we've got algae on both sides of us, um, we've also got this lab, which is this state-of-the-art facility right here. And it and it and it's awesome. I mean, there's so much opportunity right here. We've also got our Cape Community College. And there's a lot, of, you know, that's kind of languished over the past couple of years. It doesn't seem to have been such an, uh, a champion. But there's a new dean over there who's got great ideas. And there's... Um, We've had a lot of ideas that we wanted to bring to their their attention, like maybe having, you know, we teach a lot of our kids STEM stuff in high school because that's, you know, that's where the future is. But we don't really have a whole lot of STEM or STEAM jobs here in Cape May County. So what do you do about keeping kids here? Well, what are some of the avenues of jobs we already have here? We're one of the biggest boating industries in the country, but we don't have a marine mechanic program. We actually send our kids to like Florida or Georgia to learn marine mechanics and then maybe get them back. But if we could you know, pick jobs, uh, pick training programs and create training programs for the jobs we have here, then I think that's pretty exciting. I just, I get pretty pumped up about every new idea. And that's why when you say, what would I do post-election? If we don't win, it's it's tough because there are so many things that I think are exciting about this whole thing that I don't know which one I would lean towards. Sorry for the long explanation. No, that's, I mean, I, I have the same problem I think a lot of us do in that, I mean, just the current political situation that we feel like it, it's literally like a, a crisis a day. Right. And it's hard to, you think, oh, okay, I'll concentrate on that. And then next day it's something else and you lose focus on the thing that you were, it, it's, it's difficult. Um, and I think uh, from a... It's. I think the difference between a citizen and a, and a and a elected official is, the official has to be able to focus, and say, this is, this is important and I need to stick on this. I can't right. be distracted by every little thing because, and this is the to me this is the difficulty of uh, of running an election, and I see it with you, which is it's just like. Everybody's coming at you from all sides. It's literally 360 degrees. And everybody's got a problem. Everybody's got something that they think is the most important thing. I was just uh, on social media the other day. I forget. Somebody was was complaining about uh, something. And it's it's something that it was, um, they were worried about uh, whether or not New Jersey was going to be a sanctuary state, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, 
I agree with your point. I think that's important. If it was up to me, I would say yes, we should be. I don't believe that we should be running around like, you know, spending a bunch of time and energy rounding up, you know, illegal aliens. Do I think people should be here illegally? No, I don't. Um, do I think we should put a bunch of uh, emphasis on it? No, I don't. And the 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 person that was arguing was basically saying like, "Well, I'm not going to vote for this Democrat because they don't they don't um, they don't agree with this." I'm like, okay, I understand that, but I understand your position. I understand your. Um, I, I even agree with your position, but I don't agree with not voting. Or voting against this person because that's the like it's a single issue. It's kind of like the same way. I don't understand how um, the religious right can vote for a Republican just because they're anti-abortion. Like they've got this one issue that they've decided that somebody sold them was all important, and that everything else they believe in goes out the window. <laughs> Now, I'm picking on them, but my point is is that got some traffic noise down. Yeah. But my point is is that the you know, it's a big world. This is a big country. And we've got like two parties. And you have to find the party that you think who represents me the best. And then it's kind of like is it going to be perfect? No. But we've got to work within the elements. Like I, I'm sick of the divisiveness, even within the party. It's it, and I've and I, I totally understand it. I'm uh, I'm way left of a uh, <laughs> any kind of centrist Democrat. I'm way left of that. But I also recognize the reality. It's kind of like I'm a realist. It's like. Look, let's do the best we can. You know, government is not perfect. Politics are not perfect. No political party is going to be perfect. Everybody's not going to be like, that's a dictatorship. Like, if you want to put me in charge and I can be the king and I can just make all the, I can be, I'll be a fantastic, benevolent dictator to most people. <laughs> not to everybody, because there's going to be at least. I'm going to say, I think I could do pretty well. I think 40, 40% of the people will hate whatever I'm doing. Okay. I think I could do 60. I think 60%. I think I could do pretty well. But it's going to be my way or the highway. Well, that's not really the way it works. Right, right. So We're we not get, how it should. Right. Well, it's just, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I guess it can, but you have to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, you, you want to be a dictator. You want to be a good dictator? You have to kill people. You have to knock them down. An authoritarian regime, you have to imprison people. You have to, and that's, that's unfortunately where I think we're going as a country. But what we're talking about today and what, what I started getting involved with 90 days ago about <laughs> is how do we deal with it? <clears throat> how do we deal with it locally? What are we really talking about locally? We're not talking about gun control. We're not talking about abortion. We're not talking about health care. We're talking about some really basic things. Like, um, we're talking about, you know, what's the importance of our schools? Um, how do we handle our criminal justice system here? Uh, it's, a, it's a sizable county. Um, how do we deal with 
taxes of an, an, an economy where we have, uh, we, we, we grow by like 900% or something like that in season, and then we shrink back down. It's like, we're not a normal area. It's not like it's just like, it's not like Philadelphia is like 365, you know, like this is what it right. is. It's, we, we change drastically. And, you know, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with like, you know, it's great to live here. And then you have a family and you raise kids as you have. And you go like, what are their opportunities? What are they going to do? Well, I think well, I want, if it's all right, I just want to go back to what you said too about, um, because I know what you're talking about, about that post about how somebody was like, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to vote for this person because of this issue. Um, and this is what I, I have found. So whatever my personal beliefs have been and, as a as a resident of Cape May County or as a resident of you know the world those are my personal beliefs but as a representative you you do have to look at representing everybody um to and and also you know holding your moral ground i believe because that you 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 know my goal of even this campaign is i want to come out of this with the same moral ground i had coming into it i don't i don't want to lose traction on who i am as a person because of because of spending eight months running for office. Um, and if I win, I certainly don't want to lose that either. Uh, but anyway, with that said, there's nobody that I agree with 100% of the time. And that goes for my parents, my husband, and my own children. Certainly you, Dave. <laughs> but there's nobody that I agree with all of the time. I mean, you're. that doesn't mean that you can't work together. And that doesn't mean that you can't look at the big picture. And and if it bothers you Im- immensely and intensely, if there's a point of view that that where you know it really just stops for you and you're like I can't support this because of this issue, then I feel like it's your duty to get involved because it, you cannot like it, but if these are your choices and you don't like it, then you have to make another choice. You have to then be that choice yourself. I mean, if if it's that if you feel that strongly about it, I think and I think that's where we are as a country, you know, we've, we've all really, I don't, we've all really relaxed a little bit about, about looking out for one another and about getting involved. You know, at some point it became really uncool to be in politics. And I actually had somebody say something the other day, like, you know, I was knocking on doors and they're like, well, I have to get back to work. Cause like I have, I have, you know, they're, they're working, they're like laborers. They, they were doing something. And I'm like, you know, Nobody knows what your history is, what you've done, you know, that I've maybe I came back from Villanova and I waitressed for years and years here in Cape May County because I didn't have another job. I, you know, it doesn't mean you're opposed to or you don't know what a hard day of work is because you're out campaigning. And I think, you know, people, as soon as you say politics, there is a little bit of that gloss over that people have like, oh, I'm not interested. And, and, the thing that I want to that I that we've tried to push out in our campaign is that it is interesting. It's yeah. I just had somebody yesterday trying to give out a card to, and they're like, "I'm not interested." And I guess you know, what? I'd like to go back to your question: What surprises me the most? And that surprises me the most because I can get when you you're overwhelmed by national politics, but when you're talking about local politics, what is it that's not interesting to you? You know, it's you're talking about the future of your life, your house, your your health, your children. I mean, it's right here. Local politics is really very interesting and it makes the most impact to your daily life. And I I I find it shocking that people ha- are not interested and and 
And I do think that that's probably the biggest thing we have to get across is that this can be interesting. It is interesting. It doesn't even have to be your whole life. You don't have to necessarily run for office, but pick a cause, champion it, get involved. I don't even think that it's a question of whether or not it's interesting. I think to me, it's a question of whether it's it's important. And I think too many people think that it's not important. They think it doesn't matter. They've been told it doesn't matter. And you know what? And my husband's one of those people. So so I, I've heard that a lot. You know, he's like, I'm going to back up. When I met my husband, I, I just had met him and I had come back from being on a trip to visit my sister who was in college in South Carolina. And I came back specifically, drove my 13 hours to go vote. I, we started dating on November 6th, 1996. <laughs> And that was election day or maybe the day after election day. But we were talking about the idea that, and he said, what, why did you come back? I'm like, I came to vote. And he was like, you, you vote. And I was like, you don't like who, you know, how can you not vote? And he said, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. National politics, your vote doesn't count, but it definitely counts in local politics. And I mean, you know, there are people who win by a vote. 20 votes. I mean, Al Franken won in the in his state by 317 votes, I believe. It was 300 and some votes. So it really does matter when it's a small election. And I think that people have to recognize not only does it matter, <laughs> but but that their voice really carries. You know, when you're talking to people right at the supermarket, you know, you're you're talking to people. This, these are your neighbors. You know, when it's a county or a township election, you're you're talking about your neighbors. Your voice matters, um, not just in the voting booth, but it also matters as a point of influence. You know, I. It's not like if I win freehold or I'm going to go lock myself up in an ivory tower. You're right here in the county. I'm still taking my kids to school. I'm still going to the supermarket. I mentioned the supermarket an awful lot. Um, I'm still part of the community. So your voice, even in response to whatever we're doing, matters. I have another question. (laughs) So can I ask you a personal question? Sure, I think. (laughs) From a writer's standpoint, um, who's your favorite author? What's your favorite book? What's a good, what's a writing, what's a piece of, of literature that really has made a difference for you? It's completely non-political. Okay, well, I read a lot, so I have a lot of books that I love, and now you're stumping me, but my, my, I always come back to my very favorite book is a book called Disturbances in the Field by Sharon Lynn Schwartz, and it's older. I read it in college for a class, and I loved it, although it's a very heavy read, and I don't think I could read it again as an adult, although I've tried. I mean, I was an adult then, but a young adult. Um, there's, I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away because it's a great book. However, there are some heavy motherhood issues in the book that I think would be really tough to handle rereading as a mom. So, but that's my favorite book. Um, but for my favorite, just one of my favorite authors is actually a very good friend. So I'm going to take this opportunity to plug her. <laughs> um, her name is Catherine Center, and she lives in Texas, and she has a lot of novels out. and um, And I love her books because I feel like they're the perfect blend of lightness and also brevity. I think she she writes great stories. So, what excites you about writing still? 
Oh, well, right now I'm very excited about writing because I haven't done it in so long, except for my day job. Uh, what excites me about writing is actually the same thing that excites me about about politics or anything else, because I feel like once you find a nugget of something, it's the fun is in exploring it and fleshing it out. So I love that. I like to take an idea and write about it. And, and for my particular job, I, I'm a freelance writer with the At The Shore Guide. I have to interview a lot. I interview bands, actually. And that is one of my favorite things, because if you are in a band and you are making music and that's one of the ways that you make your livelihood, you are not only a really creative person, but you are, a, you know, you're daring something. You're out there making an effort in not the easiest field. These people are, you know, really hustling. And, um, and I think that's great fun. It's always encouraging to hear their stories. And, you know, I, lo- I love to advocate for them. What's your what's your opening what's your opening question with a with a musician? What do, huh. what do you start with? Come oh, on. I just start at the basics. I just I'm I'm really as you can tell a conversationalist. <laughs> I don't my interviews are very informal, so we just chat and I just ask you know I don't have like a list of questions. I'll do like a little research, you know, because every so often there's somebody like Kevin Bacon, so I should know something about them. But uh, <laughs> so I'll do a little bit of research and then just kind of ask. You know how they got started. What 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 they're hoping to get out of this? Where they're going with it? What what keeps them passionate about music? So, all right. Last question. Um, what's the what's the most recent movie you saw? Have you seen? A movie? I haven't seen a movie in months. Um, months. Months. Yeah. I was thinking maybe years. No. How long have you been running? I've been running running? for eight months, since March. Have you seen a movie since then? I took my son to see a movie this school year. What was it? Hold on. We we played hooky and we went to see, oh my gosh, what was the movie? I can't even think of what it was. (laughs) It. We went to see It. I took my son to see It. Stephen King. He was dying to see it. He begged me and begged me. Was it good? It was good, but of course... I'm not really good at playing hooky, and, and I'm, you know, like I said, my dad raised us with this work ethic. Hooky was not really, hooky was slightly frowned upon, and of course I went, and I took him to the movies, and I had my ringer off, and of course the school nurse called me, my daughter, <laughs> to go home sick, and I missed the call, so I was like, this is what you get for playing hooky, <laughs> but the movie was great, and we had a really good time. Excellent. So... <coughs> <laughs> that was terrible. I have to cut that out. <laughs> All right, so we're at an hour, um, but I do have. Uh, so today is Sunday, November fifth. Yes. What is Tuesday, November seventh? Well, it's election day, and hopefully you're going to all come out and vote because it is important. And whether you vote for me or you vote for somebody else, I I would like to say on behalf of everybody running, I. I used to tell my son when he would go to school, when he, you know, it's a presidential election, he'd ask me who I was voting for, and I wouldn't tell him because I didn't want him to to yell at all the other kids if their parents were voting for somebody else. But what I would say is that it doesn't matter who you're voting for right now because whoever is, is running wants to do the best thing for their country. They just maybe have different priorities or different ways to go about it. And I, and I would like to say that I think that all of us involved in Cape May County for the most part, the races have been positive. Everybody's really trying to to do something good. And uh, and so it's the most important thing you can do is go out and vote. And while I'd like your vote, and I'd like to have earned it, 
it's more important to me that you go out and vote and you get involved than, than it is that you vote for me. So um, while I would take that vote, um, please just go do it. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's very sweet. I think you're completely full of shit on that point. <laughs> I'm really not. I really want people and, to get no, involved. No, I used to really believe that I used to tell people I thought it was really important that you voted because you need to at least be represented. Like when they do polls and they go like, oh, this group of people doesn't vote, so you don't have to worry about their opinion. That right. That's important. So I thought, especially young people, it's like, oh, you're 18 to 24. It's kind of like, you don't vote. You know what the politicians, you know who they're worried about? Old people. You know why? Because old people fucking vote. And they don't, so they go like, I don't have to worry about young people. And so that's one of the reasons. So regardless of whether you vote, who you voted for, go it was vote. important that you voted. Right. I, don't, I no longer believe that. What? <laughs> what do you believe? I believe it's important who you vote for. I, I do think so it's I important. So I do believe it's, I believe it's important that you vote. I have voted in every election that was available to me since I was 18 years old. I, be, I believe it's a duty. I believe it's, it's part of being a citizen. I believe it's part of being in, a, a part of a, a, a republic, a democratic country. I think it's, it's hugely important. But I also, but more importantly, you know, now I'm, I'm almost 50. Almost 50. February. <laughs> Not quite. Okay. February. Uh, I believe that it's important who you vote for. And I just cannot wrap my head around the idea that you can vote for a party that believes that the wealthy should become wealthier and the poor should be screwed. And I can't get around. It doesn't have to be your idea. This is my point. Okay. That... I, I just, you know, I know people that are like, well, I'm conservative. I'm a Republican. I grew up a Republican. Well, I grew up a Republican. I was a Republican for the first 10, I forget how many years, whatever that was. I stayed a Republican for even after, long after I'd been re- voting for Democrats because I had, I thought, well, I'll just screw them on the, on the primary thing. I literally <laughs> stayed a Republican for a while so I could vote in the primary and I'd vote for whatever dipshit I didn't think would win. Um, and then I thought, well, that's kind of stupid. I probably should switch parties. So I switched parties and became a Democrat. And then even then, I just wrote about this recently on my blog, that up until this past election, up until Trump was elected, I was registered as a Democrat but I didn't consider myself a Democrat. I considered myself a liberal. I considered myself a leftist. I considered myself a progressive. Whatever, any one of these words that, by the way, I used to think that all meant the same thing. I thought like left, progressive, liberal, Democrat, I thought that all meant the same thing. Apparently, according to some people, those are all different things. I haven't figured out what the, uh, nobody's given me the graph yet. (laughs) <laughs> the chart of where you stand on right? things. I know I'm probably more left than most people. Um, I I could be a total socialist. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> I have no problem <laughs> with that. But but I'm like I said, I'm a realist. And what changed is that after 
really this was a, a question of uh, Bernie Sanders, I think. I got real excited about him. Um, I was a, and I hate the fact that it's become this whole like Bernie bro thing because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a white straight guy. Right. And that all of a sudden it was kind of like, oh, you're a, you're a Bernie guy. It's kind of like you're a woman hater. It was like, oh, I, I, I never liked, <laughs> I, I never liked Hillary. I didn't like Hillary when she was the first lady. It's just it's not my cup of tea, let alone politically. But it was like, there was no contest. Of, of course I voted for her. But I campaigned hard and gave quite a lot of money to Bernie Sanders because I thought he was really doing something different. But I also understand it's kind of like, he wasn't a Democrat. He's not a Democrat. He's not part of the party. He was an outsider. And you're like, okay, if you're going to do that, that didn't, that didn't get us anywhere. You know what that got us? It got us Trump. That's what it got us. So here, so what I finally came to the realization is like, okay, look, you know, people go like, oh, we should have a third party. I just was having this discussion the other day with a local friend of mine. And he was like, like, we should have like an independence party. He wanted to like name it. It was like, we should have this. It was like, this is not a parliamentary system. It's not like you can just going to grab a whole bunch of people together and say like, oh, we'll have a coalition and we'll have a, you know, we'll form a government. It's like, that's not the way our government works. Right. We have two party system. So pick a side. It's not perfect, but pick a side. And my side is the Democratic Party. And we were talking before about um, uh, Al Franken. Yeah. And his idea of, you know, his real, his long preamble is basically that, you know, everybody thinks that, you know, in this country, we're supposed to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. But you got to have the boots. But you got to have the boots. Right. And so if, and I believe that the Democrats are more likely to give you the boots. And so I thought, for the first time this year, I actually didn't just register as a Democrat. I actually joined the party where I became a representative. Gotcha. And, and I think that's important. And it's just a small thing. It's just a little local level. I don't even really know how much that's going to has any effect, but it'll have some effect. Well, and that's, you know, you, and when you're saying like who you vote for and that's important and that is important, but, but why I'm saying even just go vote is because, and that's why, you know, when I say people were going unopposed, well, when you, when you go unopposed, it, you have the luxury to kind of kick back because you're unopposed, you're winning no matter what. But when you run an opposed campaign, you know, you're, you're speaking for the people, you're meeting the people, you're talking to them, you're getting your concerns out. So that's why I feel like it's important to just vote, especially locally, because you know you're all of us, all of the candidates, and regardless of party, you're you're seeing us. See, and but you you're know what? But you know what I would say? I would say that it's. I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think what's important and what people miss is that it's important that you ran, regardless of whether you won or win or lose. It's important that you ran. That's maybe more important. Then, like, I, yes, I want everybody to vote, but it's not so much the question that somebody votes. It's the it's the question that somebody runs. That you, when you're talking about somebody running unopposed, be like, like they don't have to explain anything. 
Right. When, when, when somebody runs against you, you have to say, here's why I think I'm, I'm, I'm good at this. Here's why I think you should vote for me. Here's why I think like anything. It's important that we're involved. I think being engaged is, you know, like voting is part of it. Running is part of it. Um, but look at all look at all the, look at all your volunteers. Look at all the people that have like I mean it is impressive that the amount of free time people will spend to try to get you elected. It's not completely personal to you, of course. But it's like they're they're spending their you know, hours and hours and time and money doing it, and you and and I think that and, and it's for a reason. It's they, they believe in it. The, yes, they. That do. They're engaged, and that's they're the most informed. important part. Is that they are engaged, and I, I mean, to me, that's the most important part because regardless of who's leading you, if you have an engaged community, you know, you're you're. You're influencing your leaders. You know that that your leader is—it's not a dictatorship. They are responsible to the constituency. They are responsible to your community. And if you have an engaged community, you know that that holds your leaders to a different level. That makes them. And I think too often to government respond. is uh, is reliant on the idea that nobody's paying attention. That I can just do whatever I want, and why would you question me? And uh, I'll, I'll just, you know, shut up. I'll, I'll do, I'm going to do, I know what, what's best. But when you have people that all of a sudden are showing up and, and, and giving you hell, it's like, oh, my goodness, what's right. going on? <laughs> but so that's, that's the part that I think that we're missing in this country and that for good or for better or worse, Trump has awakened a lot of people to the ideas like, we need to be paying attention. Yes. And actually, my sister-in-law used to have a, a bumper sticker, and I don't know if this is if it's exactly right, but I think it said something like, if you're not completely appalled, you're not paying attention. And and that is how it goes for anybody. I think any group in power is can any person in power unchecked is is going, it's corrupts. So you have to you have to be held accountable. You have to be responsible. You're, you know, it's it's important, and it's important for everybody to make their voice heard, and that's why I feel like you know if if you know like you said it's that important goes for back us. to the voting part, which is like you need to be paying attention enough that you go like you know I, I can't believe the number of times that I've uh, like okay the last election, which I guess was the and primaries were in June, but the last election was last November for New Jersey. Last election, I just, I think. If it wasn't the last one, it was the one before that. I remember voting, and there was three people up for the school board. There were three slots, and there were three candidates. Now, they don't give you political affiliation. It's right. just three names, and there were three spots. I'm like, really? So, in other words, those three people are going to be on the school board whether I vote for them or not. If I vote for this two and not that one. They're still all on. Right. If if long as one person votes for one of those three people, they're on the school board. And I thought, well, what the fuck? I, why aren't I on this goddamn ballot? And I think school board is actually an important um, uh, office. Very. I think, I think it's huge locally. And I have considered 
Like, that, if I was going to run for anything, that's probably what I would do. And I would be a son of a bitch. So it's probably not a good idea. I don't think I'm a good politician. I'm very opinionated. I think I have a lot of gifts. Um, politics aren't one of them. Meaning that um, I'm not good at compromise and group thought. I'd be a really good benevolent dictator. <laughs> I'm not I keep a good. Mentioning this, it's yes. a little alarming. <laughs> yes. Oh well, I get this from my father. He used to always say he'd be like he'd be a good king, <laughs> but not like you know, not, not necessarily a good congressman. <laughs> so I don't. I don't think because I well because I'm political on social media. People think it's like we well, should run for office. I'm like no, no. Not a good idea. Well, I think that anybody who hasn't run for office or isn't involved <coughs> is hasn't made a career out of it. Definitely has, you know, flaws. Or I mean, for me, I would say people have said to me, oh, "You're too idealistic," and 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 maybe that's true. And we'll, you know, we'll see. I do, I do, I, I. Do How could really you not start being idealistic? I can understand if you get into it and you go. I think it can wear you down. One of the one of the things that I think about politics in general is I, I, I worry about the idea of people being in office for too long. Yes, because I think these, the argument is is that it takes you oh it takes you ten years before you kind of figure out where all the you know who who the people are and how to how the system works and I'm like once you figure that out you're dead. Well, yeah, but I, and I can say, I, I mean, I've seen people who are, that it, so like, so for example, um, assemblymen, they have to run every two years. So it's like, you just get in there, you start working, you're already running again. So you don't necessarily have the time to make I an impact. That. I get that. Well, I mean, but on the flip side, you really, you know, I mean, what are you going to do it for your whole life? And then you're, then you're, necess- then you're not necessarily in touch with, you know, the realities of being just a, you know, regular member of the community. So, well, so you're also you're also operating in a situation where um, you're trying to stay in power. I think that's part part of the problem. It's kind of like, yes, you you now you understand how it works, so you can you you know where all the people are, and you know how to manipulate this, that, and the other thing. But now your job is to stay in power, not necessarily to serve the people. And I think that's the that's the problem I have. With, I, I would just assume that, um, like, I, I get the difference between um, the House and the Senate where you had, you know, they wanted the Senate to be a, a more established, longer term, you know, like, you're talking about a six-year term. It's like, you have more time to kind of get it together. But I think the six-year term, that, that should be it. Gotcha. And, like, I get the House. It's like, okay, well, that's two years or two years, four years? What do they get? I forget. I don't know. Anyway, it's less. And... Um, and that, but there's more of them, so they turn over faster, and I get that too. And that should be problem. Problem is, if you're in power for 24 years or whatever, it's kind of like, well, no, you're you're not going like, oh, this person's upset with me. You don't give a shit. I think that's a problem. So I, I and I do think that there's a working even in the creative field. I work in advertising, and you need. There's a reason why the creative departments usually run, you know, run by young people. Like I'm already too old, <laughs> um, because 
you need people that are energetic. You need people that have the drive and the energy to go like, I want to try something different. And the old person's going to say, no, no, no. That's not the way we do it. This is the way we have always done it. This is what works. And you, we're worse. This is this doesn't work. So don't try it. You know, right. It's not and gonna work. it it's not really. I mean, age does have something to do with it. It, it, it really does because we just get you know we get complacent as, as we get older. But it's more an issue of being comfortable in your job. So. If you've done the job long enough, where you're, you kind of like I know where all I know how to do this. I, I, I kind of finally figured it out. That's when you stop trying. And I think that consequently, regardless of party, like I wouldn't really have a problem. I think with the idea that politically, that uh, like mandatorily, you had to switch parties. For every position, every whatever four year, whatever whatever the, the the term was, so it was like four years, kind of like, oh, we had a Democrat, now we have to have a Republican, and then we have to have a Democrat, and then we have to have a Republican. Like, I know that sounds crazy, and no, nobody's going to do that. But my point is, is that I think that the changing it up is important. I think that in Cape May County here, we're talking about. I mean, let's, let's be specific. It's like we haven't had a Democrat on the board of freeholders since 2000. We haven't had a Democratic majority since the Civil War. Now, this is a blue state. <laughs> it's a really long time. It's right? a long time. It's a long time. It's a blue state, but we're in a very red county. We are outnumbered Democrats to Republicans almost two to one. But as much as that is true, and that's that is bothersome to me. It's what's more bothersome is why aren't we, you know, if so two to one, that's, but that's not, that's not 10 to one, you know, it's not 20 to one, it's two to one. Well, so why also aren't there there's, more? there's as many, there's as many independents as there are Republicans and they can vote anyway. Well, yeah, but then that we need more, you know, a lot of times these races go unopposed, all of them, school board, uh, local elections. I mean, right now we've got Keisha Bonds running in Upper Township. I, I, they said they don't know the last time. It's been over ten years since a Democrat even ran, and those elections are every year. You know, it's it's exciting to have something new, and it's and it's exciting for everybody because now you've got you know people who have maybe become a little bit more complacent in their careers are 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 working a little bit harder, and then maybe they're going to hear something new too. So I really think it benefits. All the people, no matter what party you are, it, the more people get involved, the more you're willing to step up and run for office. And I know for Keisha, I don't want to speak for her, but she's a friend of mine, so we've had this conversation a lot. You know, what she she specifically has said, you know, she's running, she's a small business owner, and she's running, and she's focusing on being a small business owner. She's, you know, sometimes she can't make events because she's got to sell her her photography and her jewelry, and she has to do these things because that's what pays the bills, and this is who she is. And she's still doing that despite the fact that maybe she can't knock on as many doors because the point is that everybody should take part. Like, you're not too busy. You know, I'm not saying everybody can run for office because it is a big commitment, but but you can get involved. You can go to a meeting. You can do a little bit to to encourage the process because the really the more people who get involved, you know, this is supposed to be democracy for everybody. And it and it really does, 
like they say in the Washington Post, it really does die in darkness. You know, you need to shine a light on things and you need to, and the more people come out, the more you're willing to have conversation. Like even in our debates and forums, it's, it's been as much as we're talking about our own points of view, it's been, we're, you know, you're hearing from each other, you're hearing different things that wouldn't be brought up if there was, if there were no one to debate. So we're getting to hear about different ideas, we're different perspectives and different points of view. I just think it's important that people get involved. I agree. And what's the, what they talk about, like, um, you know, like kind of self-sharpening? Yeah. Um, I forget what that term sharpen is. The, but Sharpen the saw, isn't that what they say? Eh, just, you know, like the fact that, you know, we need people. Even when we were, uh, I was watching the um, somebody live broadcast the uh, freeholders uh, meeting. Yeah. And it was kind of like. We need to be seeing this. We need to be paying attention. This is goes back to <coughs> we need to get back to being engaged. Right. We need to be paying attention. It's kind of like people will be like, "Well, this is what's happening in our county." It's kind of like, "Really? What was the last you know government meeting that you went to?" Oh, I've never been to one. Well, that's part of the problem, and I, I'm part. Of, I'm part of the problem. It's kind of like for years, it's like, "Well, I didn't grow up here. I don't work here. I just live here." So I'm like. I really don't care. And then all of a sudden I decided, well, that's a problem. Well, Th- that's you know, a problem. Even for me, I, I did grow up here. And some of the things that I thought were, that I just thought were my own issues <laughs> that, oh, okay, I don't like this, but I'm, I'm the only one. But what, what I didn't realize is that, you know, you go out and you talk to people and maybe we're all bothered by the same thing. Maybe we all want to focus a little bit more on building an economy that works for people who have to live here year round. I mean, we are the, somebody sent me a message recently like this, you know, this, <laughs> they say this is a resort area. That's why it's a resort. And, and yes, it is. And, and we should absolutely be focusing on our tourism. We have a great place for people to come and, and we have to maximize that potential. But when everybody leaves, we still have to take care of the people who live here. And, and so that's one of the things we wanted to bring attention to in our campaign, the the working class people who are here year round. I mean, my husband's a truck driver and he'll drive, he'll drive through Avalon in the summer and he's dropping off, you know, pool could, tables. Could you be any more working class? <laughs> he's a truck driver. So and he's dropping off like, you know, I don't know, gold plated TVs, but he's dropping off televisions that go in people's swimming pools and he's, he's doing this and then he comes home and he mows the lawn. You know, it's, we're here all the time contributing and we want to, I want to, I want to be able to focus on people that are like me that are, you know, out here working and, and making a living and trying to make this a home and raise our kids here. Let's say one more thing about this, because I think this is important. It's something I've been thinking more and more about, which is. I think that I'm concerned that the Democratic Party got too far away from taking care of the working class. And I don't mean poor people. I mean people that work, you know, like not rich people. That the... um, the Democratic Party was always the party of of, of the people, and the workers, the, right. the people that actually like you know not the executives, the workers, right? And I think we got away from that. I think the party got away from that. I, I think with, without a doubt. I mean, you don't have to agree with me, but I totally believe that. And you know, like, why are so many, why are so many poor working families across the, you know, middle of the country? Voting for Republicans. 
who are just screwing them. And it, and I think that there's, uh, I mean, you can, you can point to a lot of reasons. It's, it's complex. It's not, it's not a simple answer. But I think that it's important that as a party, like when we're talking about um, even in the county, regardless of this election, I think we have to do a better job of saying, what can Democrats really bring to the table? And it's not a question of being in power. Like, I could give a fuck about that. <laughs> it's not, that's not an important thing to me. I honestly am looking at, like, how do we make people's lives better? And I think we can make people's lives better. But it has to be considered from a standpoint of, it's like, I think the government needs to protect people from corporations, from greed, from... Many things. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people think it's like, oh, government's all bad. That's what we've been taught almost my whole life. It's like government can't do anything right. They're all, you know, uh, uh, I used to even say this, you know, like, it's like, well, I mean, of course, uh, a for-profit company will do a better job than the government will do. The government will spend too much money and blah, blah, blah. No. Actually, the government's done amazing things for people. In this country, um, and the, the 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 list is endless. But we need to remind people that the government can be an institution of good and change for the better, and to look at everybody equally. And I, I think that's an important thing to remind people of. Is like just like. Oh, government's all bad. They're all the same. They're all corrupt. They're all pieces of shit. Well, and I think that's why like a diversity of voices and a diversity of parties and a diversity of experiences makes for better government because, you know, you you're more apt to learn from one another. You know, you're more apt to hear different voices and and work together and maybe be innovative and and do things for positive change as opposed to and I do think government gets a bad rap. I mean, because there's a lot of red tape and there's a lot of... But the whole point is it's supposed to be a compromise. Nobody's supposed to win all the time. And and so I, so ultimately nobody's happy all the time. But but that's what works for the mass. You know, you, have, you can't just look at you. You can't just look at me. You have to look at the whole, the whole, the whole world. And I guess that's why I'm a little bit idealistic. <laughs> I think if you're not a little idealistic to begin with, you're in real trouble. Yeah. I, I think if you're going into it going like, oh, well, this is all just bullshit. It's like, well, you should not be running for office. <laughs> right, right. So I think you have to be. I think. Well, in life, I've been. I tell you what, you know what, you know what we've talked about this um, offline, is I'm still incredibly impressed with Al Franken. This is a yeah. successful guy. He did not need this job. He did not take this job because it was going to give him power and money. And he's still doing it. And he says that, well, it's clearly not ever as much fun as working at Saturday right. Night Live. He says it's the best job he's ever had. And I can't imagine working in the Senate at this point in time. And he's still, he thinks it's worthwhile. So the fact that there's at least one person out there that I can point to that says, it's worth my time to be a civil servant and to... He basically is taking a huge pay cut, 
Right, right. <laughs> to do good. That there are people in the world that are willing to do that. That it's not all bullshit. That it's not all corrupt. That it's not all um, just personal pleasure or power. Did you ever see Scourged with Bill Murray? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's like my favorite movie. You didn't ask my favorite movie. That's my favorite movie. And um, and, and I can tell you so many lines of that that I just say all the time. Restapling the uh, the antlers. Antlers. Yeah, that, yeah, that's just... <laughs> but uh, at the end, you know, he goes on this this speech, and, and it's about Christmas, right? But But really, I think that it applies universally. And this is why, you know, my husband will often be like... You're too idealistic. Maybe not just involved with politics, but I really do. I really do, and maybe it is naive. Try to see the best in people when I first meet them. I don't. I I assume the best until I hear or learn otherwise um, through a direct experience. But when in that Steve Murray, he or Bill Murray is talking about Christmas, and he's like, you know, it's not a it's not a crock. It's not. It is great, and it is something good, and it is something to be proud of, and work for, and and encourage, and it and it really is all these good things. And I really do think, like, I really do think that government can be that. I, it's not as good as Christmas, but you know, I do think that it could be a force for positive change. And I think that community, which is as good as Christmas, can be that as well. Um, you know, and that it doesn't have to just be the one day a year. You know, we got to be invited. It's not just election day. It's not just that one time that you, you know, a debate. You got to, you got to be involved and you got to step up all the time. And it's definitely easier to say than do. And I, and I hear you because, because there are many times where I've said it and not done it. Um, so, so for these past eight months, I've, I've done it. And, uh, and it's, it's not as bad as you would think. You know, it, it it's definitely um, a little bit of a sacrifice, but, Getting out there and making at least a little bit of a difference to somebody has has made it all worth it. I think that's a good way to end it. So say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye. Thank you. Please come vote on November 7th. Polls are open all day until 8 o'clock. Take care.